Facebook for the open. This is Over the Top Sports Radio Show, hosted by Robbie D, Big Mike, and Vinny the Shark. And good morning, Blog Talk Radio, and thank you for tuning in to Over the Top Sports Radio. All three of you probably out there listening on iTunes next week. Um, (laughs) Big Mike, Robbie D, Vinny the Shark. Goon in the house, everybody doing a great job getting us all set for this hour of sports talk that we've got going for you. Uh, On this Saturday morning in May, if you're in the New York area, an actually nice day, a week after the Kentucky Derby, smack dab in the middle of the NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs also underway too. we got another series to start tonight, here to talk about that all as well. Um, Mike, let me know when we're up and running. Up on uh, Facebook. (laughs) No, we're just going to join us in progress. once we get up on the Facebook, That's so right. uh, I want some more. Absolute dickweed. You can do better than that. Oh, I right, trust me, I will. <laughs> I was expecting worse. Jimmy <laughs> Paul is you a know, bitch. Our blog talk audience—they've been so loyal over the years. You know, all the views that we get and all the listens that we get, and keeping us on that fourth page. So uh, we'd like to welcome those of you watching now on Facebook, joining us in progress. Big Mike, Robbie D, Vinny, the Shark, with us. Uh, uh, you missed a lot um, because you know our uh, producer Goon, who is the first one here. And has basically one job. One job is not to watch hockeyfights.com, but instead to get us up on Facebook and a couple of minutes late. But luckily, Mike comes to the rescue. The last person here. He gets here at 10.59, and he's the one that's got to come save the day. So, anyway, time to talk about with you guys today. Of course, you can always follow us on our Twitter, Over the Top Sport with no S. Our Facebook, if you're watching, you're already following. Um, Goon hopefully shares it out to some people and uh, – Guys, want you to contribute to the show. So 646-716-543, give us a call. A, a potpourri of stuff to talk about in sports today, and I guess we start in the NBA, and that's because um, the Golden State Warriors, um, basically no Kevin Durant, no problem, Vinny. And uh, as the resident basketball fan, um, why was Houston unable to take advantage of the best player being out? And is that just, you know, kind of something – that they messed up with, or is Golden State just that good and that deep where they can get overcome any loss that they have? Well, it's a little bit of both. Uh, We all know the story with the Houston Rockets. Uh, They wanted their revenge on the Warriors. They were the best team uh, in the regular season last year. They got knocked out again. They got knocked out on their home court again. But, I mean, for them to lose this game, it's it's insane, and they're just doing what they do. This is James Harden in the playoffs, and it's not even that he played that bad. He did miss a layup at one point with, like, five minutes left, but outside of that, he put up his 35. He did his job. But this is James Harden in the playoffs. He just doesn't get the job done once again. And the, the Warriors, Steph Curry, he was scoreless in the first half. He comes out there, he fires 33 in the second half. There was no stopping him. He showed his value without Kevin Durant up. He stepped up big time. Clay Thompson had a dagger at the end. But what really happened here is in the fourth quarter, the Rockets were up seven. And they go down. They had a three-on-one. They dribble it back out. They don't convert on that. And then instead, Andre Iguodala hits a three on the other side. That's a five-point swing just like that. And you cannot afford to do those kind of mistakes against the Golden State Warriors. And James Harden, I look at him as the Clayton Kershaw of the NBA. All regular season, this guy was great in the regular season. 36 points in the regular season. Not saying he didn't go out there and get it last night, but he doesn't win in the postseason. And as great as a player, and this guy should win MVP again this year. I'm sure Andre Kupo is going to get it. But 36 points by James Harden. How many games in a row do you have 30 points in a row? ridiculous season, did it without Chris Paul while he was out. We all remember the start the Rockets got off to. I think Harden should have got his back-to-back MVPs. It's going to go to Giannis. That's fine. Giannis, great player, blah, blah, blah. But James Harden in the postseason doesn't get the job done. He's not a winner, and it's hard to do when you got the juggernaut of the Golden State Warriors. It's an absolute embarrassment. It's an absolute embarrassment to lose that on home court without Kevin Durant. You're right, Vinny. Harden's going to go down as one of the better regular season players never to win a goddamn thing because that's what he is. In the playoffs, it just craps the bed. And, and it's the D'Antoni system. Listen, they can run through teams with their offense and that system in the regular season. When it gets to the playoffs, they just shit the bed. And some of that blame has to go to D'Antoni also because we've seen this before out of the Houston Rockets. 
And credit Golden State, man. They did not want a, gold, uh, a game seven. We heard all day yesterday on ESPN and, and sports radio how it, when Houston gets up 15, uh, Kerr's going to pull all his stars. Never happened. It, was, it never happened. It was never in Kerr's mind. It was just a – it was unbelievable, and now you get to rest up. Without having to worry about Game 7, you get to rest up on Durant. And you bring up a good point about D'Antoni because it's not just with Houston. It happened with Phoenix, too. Those Phoenix Suns teams with Stoudemire, led by Steve Nash, Sean Marion, um, you know, Forrest Dio, all those guys. They're regular season They were 55-60 win teams. They were outscoring teams by six points a game, which is enormous throughout an 82-game regular season, and they never got over the hump. They never got to the NBA Finals, and that just seems like – you know, D'Antoni, the only team he didn't do even that with was the Knicks. And right. I know Knicks fans are like, of course he didn't. We would have taken that, and that would have been like the golden era of Knicks baseball. Carmelo in 20 ran years. him out of town, that's why. Right, but, <laughs> you know, Carmelo is the perfect D'Antoni guy because they're both all about, you know, scoring in the regular season. But then it just doesn't translate to playoff basketball. And, and it's just kind of the thing is now, you know, where do you go from here if you're Houston? Because – you have these guys, they give you everything you could ever want in the regular season. They always look like they're primed to be contenders, and they're not going to outlast Golden State. They're not going right. to outlast some of these other teams. Um, it's almost like you got to break it up because it's just not going to work. They need the hope. Well, obviously, they got Harden locked up for a while, so that's going to lock them up for a top three seed, you could say, every year in the West. That's fine. But regular season doesn't translate always to the playoffs, as we've been mentioning. Uh, they get, they, what they need is for the Golden State Warriors to dismantle. That's what they need. They need Clay Thompson to leave. They need Kevin Durant to leave. They need DeMarcus Cousins all to leave and make that team start from scratch again. That's the only way the Rockets are going to ever, ever get over the hump of the Golden State Warriors. Last night, at home, no Kevin Durant. They were seven-and-a-half-point favorites, the Rockets, and they lost. And I'm somebody I will never bet against the Golden State Warriors. I won't do it. But I didn't bet on them either because I thought that spread was screaming at you to take Golden State. They wanted you to take Golden State with those points. How do you not take the back-to-back champs getting seven and a half points mm-hmm. in this game? But I was scared. No, Kevin Durant. I was like, wow, the Rockets, I guess, are going to win by double digits. And I stayed off the spread. Shame on me. Um, I didn't take the Rockets. Like I said, I won't bet against Golden State. But a seven and a half point favorite, they don't even win the game. They don't even keep their season alive. Nope. And to, to be unable, like Mike said, it's embarrassing. And I really can't put it better than, than that because uh, game six at home, and you got to have all that momentum. you got the lead in the game. Um, and you're unable to close it out. And that's what great players do. And that's the one thing that James Harden's missing. He's not closing out game. He got his 35 points. Right. He's got his points per game in the playoffs. Russell Westbrook had his triple-double in the playoffs for Oklahoma City. They couldn't, you know, advance. You've got to be able to find a way to close it out when you're a great player. That's what turns you from a good player to a Hall of Famer to legendary status. And he hasn't gotten himself up to there. I'm sorry. And he hasn't done that. And that's why Jordan was great. Yep. Jordan always closed it out, always. And if not, he made it, he had a player on his team that he helped do it. Steve Kerr, John Paxson, Scotty Pippen, Tony Kukoc. One of those guys would always find a way to come up with a big shot. Right. And this this is not something that Harden's been able to do. He's got a guy, Chris Paul, on his side. He gets some of the blame, too, because he's not helping close these games out either. Yep. That's the game you have to – you go to game seven and you take your chances on the road. And if you lose there, it's not embarrassing. And Chris Paul should be thanking James Harden because, I mean, this has been the talk with Chris Paul his whole career, how he never wins the big one. And now with James Harden doing what he's been doing with the legendary scoring that he's been putting up the last couple of seasons. Now the, all the attention is on this guy not being the big playoff performer. But Chris Paul is the guy who's been sucking and shitting the bed year after year. All right. Didn't know if Mike had something to pop in there. So, listen, that is basically the series that everybody's going to talk about in this round, which is crazy because if you think about what's happening in the NBA tomorrow, there's two game sevens. Right. And no matter what, it's, this is going to be the second round that's always remembered by Harden really had his chance. It fell in his lap. Mm -hmm. Was he able to make the best of it? No. So we turn our attention to tomorrow in Denver, trailblazers and nuggets. This series had to go seven. We had a over epic overtime game. We talked about last week to open the show. Yes. I was it four overtimes last Friday Mm -hmm. night. Um, It had to go seven games. It is going seven game. And then he got Sixers, Raptors. Basically, who's going to have to face the Bucks next round? Who's probably going to lose to the Bucks in the next round? Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, a big day of basketball tomorrow. I know it's probably going to be a rainy day in the New York area. Uh, no real local intrigue around here, unless you're like it's Bios Harris Band or you're a sports bet. Mm-hmm. But still, game seven is game seven in any sport. Right. When you have a game seven, whether you're not a fan or not of that sport, you got to tune in at least for some of it. And they should be good competitive games. What does suck about this is you did mention who's going to lose the um, – the Bucks the next round. It's also who's going to lose to the Warriors next round. So whoever wins these games, 
Um, we'll be lucky if we even see a game six in the next round between either of these teams. And that's a shame to say. Uh, I think the story of the Trailblazers have been great. I know the Nuggets. I, I just like seeing these new fresh teams that we're going to see in the conference finals. It's very, very relieving. Thank you, LeBron James, for going to the West. And thank you for missing the playoffs. And we'll get to your fans in a little bit over there, too, in L.A. Because I know big, me and Big Mike want to hit on that. But these games are going to be awesome. I think they're going to be great game seven games. I would say bet the underdogs with the points. I'm not saying that's the team that's going to win, but uh, tease them both up. I think they should both cover. It's game seven. You want the points. So I think the underdogs should hit. I do think the Raptors win overall, and I do think the Blazers will win outright because I want to see that Dame Dollar story continue into the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I, I like what you said with the Raptors, Vinny. I feel confident with them. It's at home, right? Uh, Kawhi Leonard's been an absolute monster. Um, listen, the 76ers showed me something in game six. They showed up, right? And, and they played well. But um, this, to me, this is still the Raptors game to lose. And I would be very surprised if they did lose. Uh, Trailblazers Nuggets have been awesome. It has been a great series. It's been awesome so far. Extremely but, unpredictable each game. You're right. It but it's unfortunate now, like you said, because both of these teams, uh, whoever wins out of these series, we know they're losing. They're not making the, the final, the championship. Either team's lucky to go five with Golden State. I agree with you. Um, so those are two game sevens. Vinny will have his picks up there, of course, as always. Um, on Twitter, um, follow his picks as well in the NBA. Uh, by the time we get here next week, we'll be into the middle of the semifinals. So the final four, basically, if you will, of the NBA. Mike, some breaking news in baseball. I haven't even seen oh, it. Oh, I didn't know. I thought you saw it. Um, Tyler Glass now, four to six weeks. Um, yeah, what was it, with the forearm strain? Is that what they're calling yeah. it? Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. It really is because the kid's been having a terrific season and you root for, at least I do, I root for former top prospects when they find it and they get going and they, the, the change of scenery. Right now, he's the best pitcher in baseball. He's the Cy Young. He should have been starting uh, the All-Star game in Cleveland. He's everything. He is everything. And you just hope that this is all it is, just a strain and uh, maybe a big stage last night trying to overthrow. And hopefully he's back four to six weeks, no issue. It makes me sad because he was my favorite pitching prospect, as you know, Big Mike, very well. And, I heard uh, that once or twice. Yes, yes, <laughs> and I corrected you all in dressing stats because he's Tyler Goat now. But now he's on the four to six weeks. <laughs> and uh, he Tyler sits now. Now, now he sits down again like he was doing in Pittsburgh. But it sucks because this was this had nothing to do with him pitching bad in his performance like it was in Pittsburgh. They moved him to the bullpen. They were like, what do we do with this guy? This guy finally figured it out. He adjusted his windup and his motion and everything. And then he comes out there. He was, like Big Mike just said, Cy Young worthy, all-star game starter worthy, and now he is not going to be either because when you miss time like this, it's very hard to come back. And I'm just worried about a guy who finally figured it out to take this time off, come back in a tough division like that, and still be the same down to pitcher he was before he went on to the I.L. This is a massive, massive injury, though. This has implications throughout the entire division. Now Tampa Bay, which does multiple bullpen days, doesn't have a dependable starter. Now the Red Sox and Yankees, which have gotten off the slow starts, whether it be because of a slow start or the mountain of injuries the Yankees have, now it opens the door for them. This is huge for the Red Sox, and it's huge for the Yankees, and this is devastating for the Rays, who now lost a giant hole in that rotation. Yeah, and he's a big reason that the Rays are the MLB leader in ERA, and that's not going to last without him being there. And you know, they're in the series with the Yankees, and, and we've seen what the Yankees could do. And whether you love the Yankees or hate the Yankees or are neutral, um, it's just been an unbelievable thing that they've been able to do with all the injuries that they've had. Now they're within a half a game of first place. And even with or without Gap Glass now, and the Yankees last night beat him. They won the game. So um, Domingo Herman. Yeah, they, about we'll, get in, we'll get into that in a minute. But just the AL East, which, which Tampa Bay got off to such like a big start, and you worried about – you know, the sustainability of it. And they were a 91 team last year. So you're like, okay, well, I trust that they're good. Are they good enough? They had to get a bigger cushion. 90. I think we yeah. could all yeah, agree I'm that. talking about to sustain, like, right. being the top of the AL East with the terrible start, start Boston got mm-hmm. off. The Yankees got to a slow start. And then the injuries, um, I just – and Boston seems to find their, find their way now. They're over 500, the right? Start, and their starting pitching has turned the corner. So, Sale, Purcello, Rodriguez last night. The Red Sox are starting to click. They found themselves in the schedule, and yeah. they're telling the teams they're supposed to be beating. Seattle, and that's what the Yankees the are doing, too. Yeah. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. But I'm saying, good teams beat those teams. Right. So, that's so what you do. basically, this is the last ingredient in the recipe where the cream of the AL East is going to rise to the top, mm-hmm. and you're going to see Tampa Bay fall to third place. Because without having him out there every five days, like Mike said, it throws everything off whack. Not just that one start every week, basically, or maybe two starts in a week. Right. Uh, but it throws their whole entire – a uh, way that they 
pitch and, and the what, way that they have a pitching rotation. What sucks about that is they held them back to start so he could pitch against the Yankees yeah. too, and then which you shouldn't do in May. This. Yep, but that that goes to show you how they want to bury the Yankees. But, also, as much but, as but also that can't be the reason why giving him an extra day of rest isn't going to hurt. Sometimes they move him up. That's true. It but they just happens to be bad luck. Do that? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. just the bad luck. That's all. What's up, guys? Along with that move, the Rays also activated Travis Darnell. Yeah, they traded for him yesterday. So he he played one game for the Dodgers, so he's got like that one game career former Dodger now you can always say oh former Dodger people are like what are you talking about but I gotta is, say guys this, this is infuriates me also the, the Darno thing because the Mets tried shopping him and couldn't get anything for him let him go for nothing and then they just got Wilmer Font from Tampa Bay you couldn't have did Darno for Font like I mean this was three days ago <laughs> it's unbelievable uh, did, did Brody actually shop around trying to move a catcher Let's take this time to pause and appreciate our great producer over here. He shows up here first. He doesn't get our Facebook Live on time, and then he provides us with earth-shattering breaking news of Travis Darno going to the Tampa Bay Rays in their practice contract. Breaking yeah, I wouldn't about even have interrupted him years ago. <laughs> <laughs> he was also last night the trade was made. And it was yesterday. Activated. That's unbelievable. So you know what? He'll have the last laugh if Darno hits a grand, uh, game-winning home run against the Yankees this oh, weekend. No, 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 no. He'll probably buy a Travis Darno Rays jersey and put it next to his Jimmy Clausen jersey in his closet. <laughs> we have to hit on the Yankees, though, for a minute here because – How um, could you not? Well, they, a lot of good has come from it this week, but I am very concerned about the Stanton injury now because they, are not have, they don't have a timetable for him. They don't have a timetable for Judge. And there's a realistic chance Dee's back before Stanton. And that's alarming. It's, it's big time. Somebody who was on a 10-day IL three games into the season, and for Didi Gregorius, who wasn't supposed to come back to the All-Star game, if that happens, that is absolutely alarming. And Big Mike, I see you on Twitter. You, um, you're commenting on our boy, former guest, Brian Hoke, all the time. I want to know what the you, injury you is. You don't believe the bicep strain because you think he should have been back by now. Oh, it's not a bicep. There's no way. It is not a bicep strain. They're sticking with that. And they did the injection in the shoulder after that, right? That was the, the, um, you know, the setback was they uh, something with the shoulder, and they did an injection. There's something majorly wrong with Stanton's shoulder that he's not back yet. And it's I, not just a bicep strain. And I understand that they want him 100% because, like I mentioned all the time, he played through his injury last year and he sucked. And it killed his batting average. It killed a lot of his stats. He played through it. And I know they don't want him playing through it again, making it worse, putting him back on the ILS and they need, especially while the team is winning. So I'm hoping you're wrong. <laughs> and what they're saying is right. And they're just Good. Really when did they put him on the DL? Can you get that date? Game four. Right. He's played three. But what's the date? Because that was supposed to be a two-week thing. Yeah, April 1st or 2nd. So, the Yankees last year showed that they have a history of underselling their own injuries. Think of the Aaron Judge injury. It was supposed to be such a short-term injury. Oh, he'll be back soon. He'll be back. This isn't a long-term thing. You know, he wasn't swinging a bat within the framework of their original diagnosis to the media. And he ended up missing, you know, a a third of the season Mm -hmm. with that one injury last year when, when uh, when he got hurt. So, yeah, so April first, so, yeah, so now we're two at, months, two months, May eleven. So that's <laughs> that's about ten weeks now that it's been, and he's not anywhere near ready. So this is what the Yankees do. They're not going to give. They're like a hockey team in the playoffs. They're going to tell you, okay, he's got this. They're probably lying to you, but they got to give you something, and they give you a, a time frame that well, they don't have to keep because guess what? There's no rules in the MLB that says that you have to come back in a certain time frame. And do you think they moving on from Stanton to another injury? I mean, I mean, we could do a whole show on their injuries. Uh, Andujar. Has not looked good no. whatsoever. I think he has one hit since he's been back. You know, has been looking good, though? Gio Arshella. This kid is clutch. He is a vacuum at third base. And where where did the Yankees find these guys? Let's go! Let's go! has been the man for the New York Yankees these last couple days. It, he has. He's been awesome. And even the bat has been awesome, too, which he's, not known, he's known for the glove. The bat has been fantastic. But this is what concerns me, Vinny, is when we – and it really doesn't concern me because I hate the Yankees, but if I'm a Yankee fan, this would concern me, is uh, eventually these kids are going to slow down, right? They're, they're, it's going to happen. And when you do don't so have much. a timetable for Judge and Stanton, which should have been 90 home runs easy, that's a big deal. But, but you would think that Hicks and Gregorius, hopefully if you're a Yankee fan, yeah, but they're pick gonna, up that slack. That already lost. Hicks another setback. They're supposed to be back this weekend. It's not right. until next week, and he just constantly gets setbacks. But what I'm hoping for now is you see the way Andujar's playing, send him down or something, clear his mind with yep. the way Herschel is playing. No need to rush this guy when he's an automatic out in the lineup now because clearly he wasn't ready to come back. Um, so Gio Urshela, you, you brought him up, but you also brought up Miguel Andujar, who has three hits now since coming off the DL. I mean, to me, it's just that time of year where I don't know if he's hurt or it's just like this is his now is his spring training. And he's starting to face pitches that have been pitching sure. now for three or four months. So he's, it, it's he's just starting to get into yeah. it, but – 
Um, is it possible that he rushed back knowing the injury problems the Yankees have and just wanted to get in the lineup and try to help? It's positive. You also have to factor in that last year as a rookie, you know, you always have that sophomore slump. So there's so many things right now going against uh, Andujar with such a great season and how high the expectations right. are. All fair to say, Russ. All fair to so say. So you just have to see over, over time. But in a way, the Yankees are finding a way to win. It's T.J. LeMay. He one day, it, it's not him. It's Lou Floyd. It's Frazier. It's Sanchez. It's Urshela. So uh, that's what good teams do. And the Yankees had to get their head above water, and they've done much better than that. A win today against Tampa Bay, and they are in first place in the AL East. How much does that mean right now on May 10th or May 11th? Not that much. But I think you know it's what? Fundamentally, look at all these injuries. Oh, and we're a first place team. If yeah. you're Aaron Boone, you're preaching that to your team. Absolutely. But the you know the first mark to me is always Memorial Day. Where are you on Memorial Day? Playoff teams on Memorial Day, statistically speaking, are the playoff teams in October. Mm-hmm. More often than not, if you're in first place Memorial Day, you make the playoffs in Major League Baseball. To, to what both of you were saying, if it wasn't for the injuries, yeah. You wait till Memorial Day, but the second you get your hands on first place with the, the lineups, I mean, look at the Yankees all-star lineup on the IL. It's ridiculous. Right. So because of the injuries, yeah, once you're in first place, and this is the first time they're playing the Rays, they got 18 more games to go with them. You got to be excited with what's going on. And speak about emotions. Tampa Bay has to kind of have a little bit of an emotional letdown thinking, God, or it's kind of like the, the Houston Rockets. You know, we had this whole chance to open up this <laughs> nice lead on everybody. They're hurt. Boston's just terrible. They can't get out of their own way. Boston's pitching in April was abominable. Um, Let's get a little cushion, and it's got to be deflating to them that they can, you know, lose first place this quick. And right now, you know, Boston could be within two or three games by the end of the weekend. That's got to be mentally deflating for them. Absolutely. It is, but Tampa still, they have a bunch of nice prospects, um, more hitting than pitching, though. You had Austin Meadows returned, right? He had a home run the other day. So it's still a very good lineup. It's a very good lineup. The uh, the rest, Charlie Morton's had a good season, even though I didn't think he would since he's gone there. You have the bullpen days. Now that you look at this team and you say, if we can stay afloat for four to six weeks, our big gun will come back, and hopefully we can go on from there. 11-21 over the top sports. Still talking uh, Yankee baseball. You wanted to get in your uh, Domingo German, uh, best pitcher in baseball. But, you know, he really has stepped up for a Yankee rotation that had so many questions coming into the season. When you lose a guy like Luis Severino, we haven't even brought him up yet because everybody's so fixated right. on all the injuries in the Yankee batting lineup. No Luis Severino. Well, Domingo Herman has come in and really filled the void. And he's completely filled it because he's the ace of the staff right now. And he's been phenomenal. He's got swing and miss stuff. And after beating Tyler Glass now right now, he's legitimately the best pitcher in the American League. Just like that. Way to step up. It's just like, where did these guys come from? Gio Urshela, Domingo Herman. Where does Brian Cashman see this? The eye for talent is insane what he does over there. And Herman, how long can he keep this up? I actually believe this guy can year in, year out, be somebody who wins 14 games. I think there's there's nothing wrong with that, Vinny, 14 games. Um, it'll be inning limit again this year, right? And how far do you push this kid? I don't know his inning high, Vic Goon. Can you look that up possibly? His changeup is phenomenal. He's got one of the top changeups in all of baseball. And you're right. He right now is a front-of-the-line type guy. And, and having that, now you don't have to rush Paxton back. Now, you know, Severino, who knows what's happening with that guy. But all these guys keep stepping up, and you have to think, if we're in first place after today, like Rob said, with this team, if we start getting the big guns back, I mean, they should win this division. And he's really making a case to uh, pitch in the postseason as well as a fourth starter, maybe even a third. Sure. Who knows? I mean, uh, who knows what's the deal with Severino? Well, the way the be? bullpen has been, I, he's my setup man, and, you know, quite possibly. You know, we loved CC since last year, blah, 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 but we don't need five starters in the postseason. And Domingo Herman and everybody else is over Sabathia right now. I mean, the, what this Hill's doing, it's, it's just phenomenal. Herman's highest he's thrown was 85.2 in 2018. So you'd be looking like 130, you would think. And he's already halfway to 85 yeah. And now. this is a guy who was supposed to be out of the bullpen. But because of all the starter injuries between last year and this year, he's now officially a starter. So I'm, I'm nervous to see how he goes forward. Obviously, everyone today, who could throw X amount of innings? We all know who can and who can't. We don't know anything about him yet. Hopefully, he's young. He can do it. We had some drama this week in the, the National League. Chris Paddock. Um, very upset with Pete Alonso winning the National League Player of the Week or Player of the Month award in April. They faced off, um, what was it, Monday night maybe? Mm-hmm. Sunday night, Monday night, I think it was. Yep. And Paddock pitched an awesome game. First of all, <laughs> A-plus for the, the stirrups. That's how I think baseball players should dress. That's how I dress as a kid. That's what they used to wear. Um, but he pitches a gem. But then the next night, Alonso comes out and says, hey, I'm pretty damn good, too, and he wins the game for the Mets the next night with just a bomb of a home run. Yeah, and Paddock, listen, he's a former top prospect. Chris Paddock, Goon, you want to look that up, too? I'm putting you to work because you've done a shitty job producing today. <laughs> that was a trade, and that was a horrible trade. Um, that was from the Marlins, I believe, Goon. So just see the prospect that was in that. Um, 
Paddock has been fantastic. He has, but it's going to come down to inning limit again, right? Go look, look at Pete Alonso's numbers. Alonso deserved to win the rookie of the month. We're also talking rookie of the month, like, right? Who cares? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> who gives a shit? I'm serious. Who gives a shit? The Mets aren't in first place. The Padres aren't in first place. Who cares about rookie of the month? I like that Alonzo later on that night said that we have to win the next day. It's a must win. And I like that he went out and performed. To me, out of all of this, that meant the most. That he said it's a must win for us. And he went out and he performed. And you need this guy to be the leader because he's pretty much the face of the franchise right. now. He really but is. But what does it say about the Mets that a guy with 38 <laughs> games played in his career has to be the guy that talks oh, to the media and answers questions? Oh, we've done a poor job drafting. We've hey. done a poor job with free agents. Uh, it says our organization is a joke. This and is what Todd <laughs> Frazier was supposed to be, but how the hell can anybody take Todd Frazier seriously? No, Todd Frazier wasn't supposed to be the face of Frank. No, he's, not, he's supposed he's to be supposed that to locker room a, guy. Right. You know, the guy Todd Frazier shouldn't be in the locker room when Lowry gets back. He shouldn't he be, in the lineup be the odd either. guy out. That's <laughs> what he should be. He shouldn't be in the lineup. Fernando Rodney. Fernando Rodney. Fernando, and it was Miami, right? Miami traded Chris Paddock for Fernando Rodney. Wow. And you want to talk about one of the worst trades in all of baseball. <laughs> yeah, all you got to do is look at every trade Miami makes. Worst trades in baseball. Here's another they, one. They could have 100 wins already this season if they But anyway, if you're, talking, if you're talking Mets, they really – and you can make all the jokes you want with the Arizona Hall of Fame League, whatever you call it. <laughs> they haven't had a face of the team since David Wright. They haven't. It hasn't been Conforto. And now you're looking at that with possibly Pete Alonso. Yeah, 11 home runs already in the first 38 games. Uh, on pace for the 47 home runs this no year. No Mets probably has won't hit 15 it. home runs before the All-Star break ever. Well, and he's going to do it. He's going to do that by the end of May. He's right. going to hit four, four home runs this month. So No um, Mets has hit 15 home runs before the All-Star break. Correct. Ever. That's correct. disgusting. Piazza's never hit 15 home runs before an All-Star break? That's what I heard the other night. Yeah, that's impossible. Good. <laughs> maybe rookie. It's maybe it's probably met rookie. It's got to be rookie. It's, rookie. it's probably met rookie. No way Mike Piazza had under 15 home runs. I don't know. It said the last one to do it was Sabota. It's got to be rookie. But um, love going on that. Yeah, I'm sure that'll, get, I'm sure that'll get answered. Chris Hopefully he'll have that by the end of the show. <laughs> Chris Paddock <laughs> and Fernando Rodney, who is the biggest journeyman closer and somehow still finds a way to be a closer on teams, that is a joke of a trade. Let's get into what Miami could have had. I know I understand they don't have the money to sign all these guys, but you could go back as far as they had Miguel Cabrera, uh, Hanley Ramirez, uh, Josh Beckett, uh, Jose Fernandez, um, JT Realmuto, Marcelo Zuna, Christian Yelich, Giancarlo Stanton. Oh, wait, wait, the last two names were just the last two MVPs. Yeah. I mean, come go. on. There okay, it's a rookie. It's, it's rookie. Insane. It's rookie. There we go. Yeah. Um, and Miami, what are they? It's quicker than the laptop. It's, what, it's different from what they could have had <laughs> to what they are, because what they are right now is the worst team I've ever seen. Yeah, and they you just sent down Lewis Brinson, who was your big piece for the yellow well, trade. I agree with you, but, but if you're making these type of trades, it, it's just an embarrassment. It is. It's They've an played absolute 38 games and have a minus 88 run differential. Minus 88, <laughs> 38 games. The They're losing every the game by two runs on average. They're, They're losing every up game a, by uh, a Venezuelan or a uh, Colombian kid, uh, Harold Ramirez, who's a very, very good hitter and they have decent hitters in the farm system. They do. They're just – they're not bringing them up. They're letting them play in AAA. But, uh, you know, this is somebody that the Marlin fans could really be excited about. He's a very good hitter. They're, the pitching staff besides Lopez hasn't been – Caleb Smith right now say, is the best pitcher in the National League. they trade Caleb Smith? Right. And get Trevor Richards has been good. I mean, they have some bright pieces. It's just the rest of the lineup is a joke. First of all, Caleb Smith's not the best pitcher in the National League. Have you seen A.J. Minter? Second of all um, – <laughs> When you're losing, you have 28 losses in your minus 88 run differential. Why not bet shark? Why not bet run line against them every single game? You should. I mean, is it, but I'm wondering today, is that plus money? Is that that's plus a, money? That's a weird over. You can't even too. get plus money on no, a, no, on a you, run line. You'll bet. be paying. Yeah, you'll be paying. Which is houses. crazy. It is. That never happens. Usually, I don't like doing that. But in in cases like this, would you rather pay the three the 300 the Grom is today, or would you rather pay the 140 or whatever it's going to be? And Caleb Smith, I mean, three and zero. Hitting seven starts with a right. two eleven ERA he's on the, that team, that's like better than Degrom did last he's year. He's the guy you bet against the Marlins unless he's pitching right now. And you always bet against him when Jose Urania, that little bitch, is put <laughs> pitching because he sucks in his four eighty two ERA. Will they ever lock he's somebody up long term? I know they have nobody really besides yeah. Smith right now to lock up. But, yeah, they locked up Stanton. The only yeah. <laughs> How did that work out? The only people they locked up were um, uh, the year they got the new stadium. They locked up Jose Reyes, uh, Jose Reyes, um, D Gordon, and Keith Bell. As your way to get everybody. Great. And then they lock up Giancarlo Stan and they trade him the very next year. When does Jeter fire Mattingly? 
when does Jeter fire himself and get out of that situation? <laughs> Let me ask you this, Mike. When Jeter does fire Mattingly, is the bigger story in New York newspapers or Miami? That's well, a New, New York, York story. It's, it's here. That's the captain firing the captain. Right. It's it's here. It's, and it's a shame because that's a gorgeous, gorgeous billion-dollar stadium that has. That is. Nobody goes. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. And I, when I toured that stadium, I saw their deals that they would do. You could pay $30 for the whole month of home games. You know, like 15 games for you. You know what's sad? $30. That's and $2 if you, a game. I would do it if I lived there just to watch baseball. Yeah, you Why go, not? go check the visitors out, right? <laughs> I mean, and you could get serviceable, serviceable seats for that. But think about the state of Florida football. I'm Florida football. Florida baseball. You got the Rays with the worst stadium in sports Ever. history. Ever. But a lot of talent and a team that can win now. Mm-hmm. And then also in Florida, you got a team with zero talent. But an amazing stadium. If you could just you look merge at the two, you'd have one good Florida team. But it comes down to management and it comes down to really the front office because the Marlins had star players and traded them and didn't get good returns. And then go look at, again, the Archer trade, right? And just look at that return. Look at the smart moves. The Tommy Pham trade. The Tommy Pham trade was even a, a rape deal, if you want to call it that. They make smart moves. They draft good players. Lewis Brinson sucks. Thank you, Vinny. Jorge Alfaro was one of the players that Miami brought in. He sucks. Uh, It's just the players that each team have brought in, it's dramatic, Bob. It's insane. The Marlins should have been able to do this with what they traded. Yeah, but they didn't. And it's quite an attraction to play in Miami. But it's not to play in Tampa. Yeah, it's not. It's not. But – I, it's just crazy. I understand the the limitation with the cap and everything for these teams, but there's got to be a way to get good. You see Oakland do it. You see Tampa Bay do it now. Why can't the Marlins figure it out? And why can't Tampa Bay get a stadium? Why can Miami get this gorgeous ballpark, which is – I've never been there, but I, I see it. I'm like, hey, I want to go there. Have hey, you I know Tampa I can, Bay's? Me? No. I have. It sucks. No. It, you know that the Tampa Bay from the outside, outside is slanted. Like there this. is nothing – I've seen the outside so of it. There's stupid. nothing more depressing than watching the Yankees play in that gloomy-ass stadium. You, it's did, depressing. It's the worst ballpark I've ever been to. Did you guys see the tweets from Yankee PR or Yankee uh, media last night? You could hear the rain from the outside hitting the top of the dome. You shouldn't hear have that. Have you ever been to like – Gary hit the catwalk. How? People hit the catwalk every night. Yeah, but he hit the – he's only like one of the five players to hit the higher catwalk. So there's two levels of catwalks in this stadium. But it's not even that. Like, how crappy is the building where you can hear raindrops on it in a big stadium? Water needs retractable roofs in all their stadiums. I understand it rains a lot there, but when it's not raining, you need to open that dome. You want to be in a dome in a beautiful city like Florida. And as an Islander fan, I feel for the actual real fans that the Rays have, whether there might be a lot of – I don't think there's that many. Probably a little. But there are some out there that probably feel about their team like, you know, I do or something, but they can't get a freaking stadium – you always talk about how they should be I love playing there anymore. Into Islanders. Well, no, but people get back in. Well, people talk about how they should be going to, you know, a different uh, state or a different city that deserves baseball, that can draw better, that you know can be financially stable. Um, and, and it just sucks like that the city of Tampa, who makes a beautiful football stadium, you've been there, you yes, like it. The Tampa Bay Lightning, who actually used to play in the same stadium that the Rays play in, the Rays are playing in an old hockey arena. <laughs> How is that possible? <laughs> How did the Lightning get their own arena? A lot of people don't know that. How did the Lightning get their own arena? But they can't get a base. This is Florida. The entire spring training concept was built around the state of Florida. It's huge for a reason. You can't have freaking baseball in, in Tampa Bay. You, you can't get them a new stadium after all these years. Maybe, it's just frustrating. Maybe with a good team, people will show up. And but have the they money don't because do they have a good team. They've been to the World Series. Yeah. They had 90 wins last year. They're in first place this year. They had a Go series. The they yeah. had a series last week. Do you think week. they're not going to the Tropicana Field, or they just know they're not invested in this? They had 24,000 fans last week. That's a lot, right? They only sell out when the Yankees are in town. No, 24,000 was for the full series. Well, they don't even sell out, but well, that's terrible. A full that's series. The attendance was 24,000. <laughs> they were looking to move them uh, last year. They wanted to move them out of uh, Tampa and. They right, because they can't get a building. Yes, they should. I mean, I don't think sports fans in Tampa are anything worthy. You know, I don't think they're the loyalists. I think that shows well, right here. It's a lot of that. older people that retire it's, going right, to Florida. It's a beautiful place, but it's not like Miami where it's young, hip, and right. you want to go see everything like that. Tampa Bay, like you mentioned, it's older. Beautiful, beautiful city. But, I mean, look at this. The fans don't care about this sports team. So, if that's the case, anything to get the Tropicana Field out of my vision ever. 
Get it done. Mike, I know in a couple of days you'll drop the podcast again, but any fantasy pickup streamers, anything uh, you want to touch on on fantasy? We This is two weeks in a row we've crushed streamers. So if the streamers are on fire right now. We just – our offense in most leagues. How do, you, how do you work the streamers? they got to be under 50% owned? 50% owned, yeah. Because okay. we want them to be hopefully out there in the majority of the wires. So under I saw, 50%. I saw Jared Eikhoff. That's one of your streamers. I was like, why is this guy a streamer? He's great. If he's not on your lineups by now, yeah. he's under 50%. That blew my mind. Yep. What, what's he doing sitting there? Got to be. I bet you right now he's probably not 50% either. He should not be. He's, uh, he's only put up good starts this year for Philadelphia. Yep. Philadelphia running away in the NL East, I think, this year right now. We I don't know if the team's going to be able to catch them. It. 32% owned in ESPN leagues, Jared wow. Eichoff. Why? What are they doing? I have no idea. ESPN sucks, man. The worst <laughs> fantasy platform. I mean, but that has nothing to do with ESPN. It's the users that aren't picking well, them up. That's their but league. Still, but There's got to be sucks. one guy in every league in more than 30% of the leagues that say, hey, he's worthy of my roster spot. I agree. He does not belong on the waiver wire right now. When I look at a streamer, I look at, does the team have a good chance to win? If so, we'll use Eichoff. Phillies? Yeah, that's a pretty good offense, right? Depending who they're playing, uh, it was in St. Louis this week, so I wasn't crazy about that matchup, but fine. And um, you look at, am I going to get a quality start? If under 50%, I'm not expecting a huge performance. Will I get a quality start? Those are the three things. Yeah, well, you, and you're knocking them out of the park, so uh, keep doing that. We'll keep uh, talking uh, fantasy baseball as always. Um, nothing crazy to talk about in the National League. It just seems like all the intrigue is in the American League, which is crazy because there's only like four teams in the American League that I think are really any good. So. Yeah. Um, you've seen Seattle come crashing back to earth. I mean, yeah, we knew right. that they were going to come back to earth, but to come back this fast and be under 500 already after the season that they, what did they start, 13 and three or something like that? Now they're 20 and 21. So. 13 too. It was. It could have been. It was insane. Regardless, they're the mess. They're the new mess this year. <laughs> they came crashing back, and uh, their fun is over. They'll put up some offense for it, but even that's going to start to uh, fade as Rob, well. I know you've been holding it in. Let's get to your team. Let's get to your bullpen. I mean, Let's talk about it's it. frustrating it's because. You know, I, I did some research on this, you know, for, you know, whatever, for, for the show. And the Braves bullpen ERA is not even, like, bottom five in the league. As bad as it, that's how bad bullpen ERA is in this league. There's so many fan bases that can have the outrage that I have about how you're leaving a guy like Craig Kimbrell out unsigned right now when you want to be a contender. But the Braves are a team that are supposed to win now. They won the division. They have all this young talent. They got a great lineup, honestly. And Austin Riley's coming up soon. You know, he's going to just help them out. Might they, be coming up in the outfield. Did you see that? Well, he's playing the outfield now because right. of Josh Donaldson. Yep. So, where does he fit in the outfield? Who knows? They might have to trade Ender Enciarte or something, move Acuna to center field, whatever. Marquez That's a good – Marquez is having a good year, though. He's, he's not having a – he's getting $3 million a year as opposed to twenty what he used to get. So. That's just cut Darno who's making $3 million a year. <laughs> right. So, but, but, you know, the Braves – are three games, they're under 500. They can't beat a good team for their life. And every time they have a chance to beat a good team, their bullpen blows it. Except and I'm last shocked night, they didn't I, blow it last night. When, I lied Arizona. <laughs> when, when Luke Jackson last night looked like Craig Kimbrell. So maybe Braves fans and myself, maybe we're a little bit wrong for this because he's a former Brave. So maybe that's why the extra anger is out there because he was a Brave. He's from, you know, the Atlanta. He's not from Atlanta. He's from Alabama, which is Braves country. Mm-hmm. There's no teams anywhere near there. That's always just been the Braves country. Um, they go, they go to Atlanta for games. It's an easy ride. So maybe that's why my anger. But I'm sitting there, and you devote three freaking hours to a game every goddamn night. And the first two and a half hours are great, <laughs> and you think you got a win locked up. And every single time it's AJ Minter. If it, it, Josh Tomlin is a guy that they're sitting there, and, and there's relying on this guy's got a career four and a half ERA. He's in the bullpen now. Luke Jackson's a young guy with a good arm, but he's never been a closer before. Looked great last night, but gave it the homer the night before. It's just frustrating and infuriating. And you guys got me off of a win where the bullpen actually pitched well, so I'm not as mad. But we're three games out of first. We could be a wild card contender. We could compete with the Phillies if they would just fix their bullpen. And the fact that it's about money makes me so angry because it's not a salary cap league. This is not the NHL where they're at the cap and they have no choices. This is just Liberty Media, who I wish I could get them on our show. Oh, my God. I would jump through hoops to get one of their representatives on our show because they made that trade with, the, with Matt Kemp. And you guys remember that. And they got all these guys that were coming off the books. Brandon McCarthy came to the Braves in that trade for a reason. 
uh, Adrian Gonzalez came to the Braves. They DFA'd him right away. We don't want you. We'll take on your $23 million because it's coming off the books next year, and it gives us flexibility to be a better team next year. And they used none of that money to prove the team. And that's why I'm so mad. And think, that's why I didn't like the Josh Donaldson Do you think with Riley doing what he's doing in the minors, that you trade Donaldson, who you're paying $20-plus million a year, and call him up and try to get some value, maybe a, someone an arm for the bullpen? No, I think that – um, the the nice thing about the Donaldson trade uh, signing, which twenty three million dollars, I'm fine with it. But like I told Mike, when it happened, I'm worried it's going to keep them from spending more money. And it did, and it did, and it came true. They signed Brian McCann. Great. We got we got oh, a, we got a we got a former Brave great. <laughs> Not the one I wanted. Um, but I, I think to Brian McCann's credit, though, look what Soroka's done. No, 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 he's done. great. So but that, that can't be the only move you make a, after it. I agree with that. But he's been, I think, fantastic for those young arms. So to answer your question, Vinny, I actually think that Donaldson signing affords us to not rush Riley up. This could oh, just he be, should a, be up. Well, I mean, it, it, this he is only his first last you know, year. six weeks in his triple A. I saw a thing they might want to move him in the outfield. You can't move him last year because in a pennant race. In a pennant race. When the rosters expand, I would I'd rather him get all the at-bats in double A where he was last year. And then bring him out a pennant race to play once in a while because they had, you know, Camargo. This kid is ready. He's been a top prospect for two years now. He is ready. What it means is now that the Braves have completely mismanaged their team and they're completely going to be out of it now at the trade deadline is you can get a haul if Donaldson has a good first half of the year. You trade him at the deadline. You bring in Riley to play third base or his natural position. You still use Camargo as the guy that's the utility guy. Um, and you still continue to load up for next year with I the prospects you get from a Donaldson. Perfect world for you. I don't think you could trade Donaldson unless you're out of it, though. That's the problem. Well, I'm saying I think they'll be out of it. That's my point. Okay. I think they'll be out of it All right. because but of their bullpen. Because they don't care enough to Well, to I think even offensively, too, has just been inconsistent as well. You, haven't, you didn't score runs against Weaver. You didn't score runs against Greinke. What was the who was the two nights ago uh, before Weaver? Well, they didn't the, the matter. The offense uh, they really... don't they don't ever score against the Dodgers. So they, they oh, don't. That was the, I'm talking players. Diamondbacks. The offense is really well. It's just Weaver. It was Weaver, Granky, the first two games. It's really been inconsistent. The offense. It has. Yeah, I, I like their offense. I think they're going to be okay. Um, I, I really do. I think that Kershaw and Ryu, those are guys. Bueller, they've never beaten ever. I told you guys, they never ever so beat. You just the think Dodgers. right now is a, is a stretch. Rough What's stretch. That? Rough stretch for their Dodgers. offense. Right. I think their offense is going to be fine. I, I think uh, Camargo. Camargo is not hitting the way that you think he could. But let's put it this way. If you're Camargo, he had 275 last year, drove in 65 runs. He, he's a 25-year-old guy. You, he thinks that he's going to get, you know, more playing time this year, and he's completely got nothing. So now when he puts him in, yeah, he, how could you trust him to, to be anything better right now? So uh, Acuna went through a bad slump where he wasn't hitting the ball, or driving the ball. Now he's hit home runs in two of the last yep. three games. Kershaw and he had, a, he, had, he had one game that, where he got Kershaw robbed. Brought, yeah. So he got robbed of a home run. So. Um, he's driving the ball now. Albies has been good. I think that their offense is going to be putting it all together and being consistent. And the last thing on the Braves, when you talk about the offense is, uh, Snicker last night went back to the lineup that won them the division last year. He put Ronald Acuna batting lead off for the first time all year. So fantasy wise, um, you might want to look into that guys like Albies hitting lower in the lineup. Um, Marquecas now fifth instead of cleanup. Batting lead off in all honesty. Um, It'll it, help maybe it with does, the Seals, but, he but I want there. him two or three. I want somebody in front of him for those RBI uh, opportunities. Maybe, but he also gets a lot more fastballs batting leadoff with um with the guys batting behind him, second, third, and fourth. So now Marquez is batting fifth, not cleanup. And on, a, a on a fantasy note, prospect uh, note for Big Mike, I know June you'll start seeing guys getting calls up. Do you think we're going to see anybody get called up sooner than June? Like who would you say is the first prospect right now? Oh, I think Riley. I think Riley will be up real soon, and I think. Uh, Keston Ura, I talked about on the podcast the other day, the second baseman for the Brewers. His bat is ready. His glove is ready. There's just nowhere to put him because he's a second baseman. You have Moustakis. You have Shaw. That's the problem. Shaw's not playing this weekend. So they put Moustakis back to third. I forget who they have playing at second base right now. It's not this kid. They didn't call him up. Travis Shaw has been abysmal this year. And if he continues to suck, that's what's going to happen. I mentioned it the other day. Moustakis goes back to third. This kid just slides into second. It would be smooth. It would be easy. And his, I, mean, I think he's hitting 346 in AAA. What's Moustakis been doing at second, by the way? Fine. Defense, he's, he's been fine. Everything fine? Well, see, he just looks like a guy awkward at second base. He so does, but playing that position. He has, he's done a real nice job. And lefties in that ballpark, I mean, that bat outweighs any errors you're going to get from him anyway. He's a pro. He's a terrible person. And the last prospect that we could hit on, Vlad Guerrero Jr. has been awful so far. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, it, listen, he's going to be awesome. The talent is there. 
He, uh, you know, you could still say future Hall of Famer, possibly, you know, whatever. Uh, it's just a pressure. He has felt the pressure of coming up now with the whole Toronto Blue Jays on his shoulder, and it's not fair to him. And he's probably a free swinger, I imagine. He wants to make his impact on the league, and they're just, we'll pitch around you, kid. No problem. There's nobody else worthy to pitch to in this lineup. But uh, how about you give it up to my boy in Cincinnati? Yeah, good, uh, good thing to say about that. Oh, Nick Senzel, we've been on him for two years now. He's <laughs> awesome. He's, he can run. He puts the ball in play. He's not afraid to take a walk. I like that they're using him in the outfield. I like that flexibility. It reminds me of Chris Bryant when he first came up playing multiple positions. And this is a great stat, Goon, because I've mentioned this also. Mike Trout in his first few games was awful. Awful. They almost sent him down, and then he started to break out of it. Mike Trout was actually bad for, I think, three weeks. Mm-hmm. First 10 major league games, Judge hit 222. All-star. Trout, 176. Probably the best player we'll see in our lifetime when it comes to baseball. Vlad Guerrero, 162. Miggy, 158. Probably one of the best pure hitters we'll see in our lifetime. And then Alex Bregman, 053. He really struggled. And right now you're talking about somebody who could be an MVP candidate. So you, you just have to be patient. He's not going back down. And again, I think it's just the pressure of the Toronto Blue Jays being such a bad team and this kid being told, you're the savior. And you talk about best hitters we're going to see of all time. Um, Albert Pujols has reached a unremarkable milestone, 2,000 career RBIs. Not many, many players have done that. Alex Rodriguez is one who has just throwing it out there to you guys. He's also done Roy. But 2,000 RBIs for Albert Pujols. What do we think of this? Is he a compiler now because he's stuck the last couple of years to achieve this, Mike, or is he actually a worthy, great, great baseball player like he should be? Well, I don't, I don't think it's unremarkable. I think it's remarkable. It's remarkable. Okay. It is remarkable. You can go ahead, Mike. <laughs> No, go ahead, Rob. I want to look something up. Um, I was going to say unbelievable, and then I wanted to say remarkable. (laughs) I've said it all along. This guy is the quietest superstar in the history, or the history, in my lifetime. I'm not going to be a a millennial. In the history of sports, he's a great – no. In my lifetime, he is the best, quietest, great player ever, if that makes any sense to you guys. No, it it absolutely does. That's what he's always Especially because his best years, he was playing behind Barry Bonds. So, I mean, he's always playing behind somebody. You could say this guy could have had six MVPs like Bonds, you know? You really could have said that about him. But when you're playing against somebody juiced up, hitting 35, 73 home runs at 35 years old, it, you can't And really he did it that. in St. Louis. Right. But he's won there. He's won he's there. Done he's done everything. He's done everything. I think there's only uh, three players who's ever done it. He's not a compiler by any means. Two no. years ago, uh, in 2017, he had 23 home runs and still 101 RBIs. year before that, 31-119. Last year, he battled injuries. He also um, missed some time and gave it back to Otani, by the way, also now. He's kind of uh, knows that he's not going to be that well, everyday right. type player. I know player. he's not a compiler, but Mike, you just think if you play over 15 years, you're a compiler. But No, Vinny, I look at, I, what I look at is the 162-game average, and it's 38 home runs, 119 RBIs, and a 301 batting average. You want to talk about compiling, let's go look at CeCe Sabathia's 162-game average, because then we'll talk about compiling. This is not compiling by any means. And you this can, is a course. Hall of Famer. Of course. And you can only name me maybe two pitchers that could do – maybe three. Three pitchers that will ever have a, a career like CeCe Sabathia now. Uh, this is nothing about CeCe Sabathia. Um, uh, he started it. Trivia question. <laughs> you gave my answer <laughs> compiling because you knew what my answer would be. Trivia question. Know. Albert Pujols is number one in the history of baseball in one stat. What is it? He's done one thing in baseball as a hitter more than anybody has in the history of baseball. He's third in RBIs. Doubles. No? But he's had a lot of doubles. No idea. Grounded to double plays. <laughs> 378 in his career because he's oh, a little shit. fat. Definitely wasn't guy. thinking on the negative side. Somehow he has 111 career stolen bases, though. Um, the only reason I brought up compiling before is because, obviously – He's been horrible with the Angels the last couple of years. The 30, hasn't the 30 been. and the 100s are gone, and you feel like he's kind of just 2017 playing. 2017 was 100. Oh, no, he's good for the average now. This guy's no, a average hitter. He's batting like 220s now. It's, it's sad. What did he bat in 2017, Rob? 241. His, his career with the Angels has been very good. The average is 258 with the Angels, but with the Angels, 3105, 1764 in uh, only 99 games, 28105. 4095, 31-119, 23-101, and then last year, 1964. The so, shame of this is they haven't won anything with him there. Well, yeah. I'm trout. <laughs> right. You know. yeah. Right. There's so, a point they had the two best players. You could say, well, I don't even know. But Paulus is probably still top I'm only using When he got there, you could yeah, say it. Sure. Yeah. I'm only using CC Sabathia as an example because you guys just brought it up. This is a Hall of Famer. This is a no-doubt yeah, no 
Hall of Fame. This is when I look, when people ask me about fringe players, whether it be Sabathia, it, it could be an Atlanta Brave, Fred McGriff, you know, any, anybody that's borderline, I think, no, Hall of Famer should be this. The Hall of Fame should be more exclusive to a guy like this, not just to a guy that was very good over a period of time. But Howard Bain? Howard Bain shouldn't yeah. even be in, in, in the freaking I agree. softball Hall he of Fame. He has tarnished the Hall of Fame. He, he has, has tarnished it. Now everyone wants so, to get in if this guy He does. has tarnished it. This, it. Hall of Fame should be so much more exclusive, and this resume is a Hall of Famer. 1,400 RBI seasons. Oh, and he had 99 one year and 95 one year. I mean, that, to me, is what the Hall of Fame should be more yeah, about. More exclusive, less people. You shouldn't have to debate if a guy's a Hall of Fame. Right. And when we have you're our right. next debate about it, and we, we go one way or the other, that's just because I – it's not that I don't respect CC Sebastian. You're looking at a first this ballot unanimous Hall be. of Famer. No doubt. That's a Hall 2, of Famer. 2,000 RBIs, you're a Hall of Famer. Uh, count, uh, Three MVPs, MVPs, Rookie of the Year, World Series. Year. He's got 600 he career home runs. every single box. One of the, and, and he went under the radar, like you said. Such a quiet guy. He doesn't go out there. And he also – he's a man of the people. The, they caught his ball, the, the fan in Detroit. It was a home run, and he didn't even want it back. He didn't want it back. He let the fan do whatever he wants with it. Uh, what was the exact quote he said, Big Mike? He said the fan was entitled to it. He said he caught it. He's entitled to it. It's a piece of history. He's more than welcome to have it. And they said, first of all, the whole thing, there's two different stories to it. They're saying the Tigers, um, it was in Detroit. They tried to get the ball back. They bargained with him. The fan is saying they were overly aggressive with him. We're trying <laughs> to get the ball back. He's saying that, uh, you know, his brother's a diehard Cardinals fan. He wants to give it to his brother. He's got a newborn son coming, whatever. Point of the matter is, is he left without um, getting the ball authenticated. They wouldn't authenticate it for him, and he left without trading it. Right now, that baseball is worthless. He would have to go through legal steps, a lie detector test, uh, swearing to everything that that was the exact ball. I don't know if it's worthless. Right now. You know what he looks like. Vinny, I can get you a baseball in my backyard. There's Uh, nothing on that ball that says that's the ball. That's the issue at hand here. I thought they used to mark the ball. They didn't do this. They did for Jeter with his. There was no mark on this ball whatsoever. Okay. Well, so he changing. left. I didn't know that. He left the stadium with just a baseball. Wow. Okay. Okay. I know we know who he is and, right. and that he caught it. But, but he could have right. caught a ball two years ago. Right. And now that's, here's the ball. Now I understand. I thought they marked it. No. So I know they did that they for refused like to authenticate the ball for him. Okay. Okay. That does change things. Yeah, they should. Well, it brings us to our poll question of the week. Um, if you caught a home run ball that had history with it, what would you do with it? Um, and we asked, give it to a player, trade it to the player, sell it privately, or keep it. And uh, trade it to the player uh, won by about 10% over give it to a player and sell it privately. Only 12% of you uh, said that you – excuse me, you would keep the ball. What would you guys do? I'm trading it to the player, and I'm getting a ransom. And he was offered – he was offered signed Miggy uh, bat and uh, jersey, signed Trout bat and jersey, signed Pujols bat uh, and jersey. All I would, he was offered all three of those. All, all three together? Or all three. All three together. I, I, how could you turn that down for a ball piece of history? And you don't look like an asshole. Exactly. And he looks like an asshole to the public. I mean, that's part of it. He looks You're going to look, like an, he looks like an asshole no matter what you mm-hmm. do unless you trade it in or give it to him. Uh, and so privately, you're an asshole, too. What would you do? It depends on the player. You're an asshole. So you tell me <laughs> it depends on the player. Like, if it was A-Rod or Jeter, I would hand it back to them and not even ask for anything in return. I would, I would hope they would give me something in return, but I wouldn't ask for it. I know, I know how much it would mean to Alex, especially, to get his ball back because he loves his milestones. But if it was like Albert, you. if it was Albert Pujols, I might even just keep it to say I have it. But the fact that they didn't mark the ball, that does change a whole my whole aspect. They of tried to use it as a bargaining chip, saying we're not going to authenticate it. It's going to be worthless if you leave here. Your best option is to trade it. Yeah. And he called their bluff and said, okay, and he left with the ball. That's not messed up on the team. I mean, not you you want the ball? You won't give it to you. But good, they're offering him all. I mean, there has to they be a should limit. Have these balls authenticated before, like they were doing for like the Jeter milestone. There's only two two people in baseball history have done this before him. Let him have the freaking ball. So if I'm the team, I am gonna be like, come on, dude. That's why would you be like, dude? Come on. It's man. Detroit, it's also. Asshole. I'll give you three yeah, games in a suite, right? Uh, they're I not could, being used. I could buy myself an. Yeah, but think of the people with a 2,000 RBI <laughs> baseball. I'd be cruising around in a nice escalator right now, brand new. That's <laughs> the other thing is, is players, players will, if you, know, you had it authenticated, you're looking at, I mean, even more. I, I would keep it for a long time. You're looking at a ton of money. I'll be waiting until if he's in the he had it phase. authenticated, yeah. he'd be rich. It was, and uh, you know what? I would probably them going, you know, doing what they were doing to this fan. I would be really be kicking myself around, have, on the spot thinking about it, and obviously me sitting on this chair having time to think about it is another story. So it really depends the player. If it's a Red Sox, if 
you think I'm giving that ball back to you? Oh, no shot over my dead body. Well, you ain't was, getting uh, that damn ball back, you bum. Didn't Jeffrey Mayer catch – not Jeffrey Mayer. Jeff he's Ray. the Oriole one. Who's the idiot that catches all the balls and he runs around it? Oh, Zach ball Campbell. Yes. Thank you, Rob. Didn't he catch A-Rod's? Or, yeah, uh, he caught somebody and said he wasn't going to give it was, back, and he then he did. Yeah, yeah. Zach Campbell. But then he did give it back. He's a herb. He is a loser. He wears an umpire hat, too. He also, there he is. His picture on his Twitter is him laying in a bathroom. I'm 90% ball. sure he caught one of A-Rod's. No, no, he did. Balls. That's how he got it. And he said he wasn't going to give it back. He said he was going to blow it, it up, I think, actually. 3,000 home runs. 3,000 hit with And then he gave it back. Um. Yeah, but every time you think about foul balls, you think about this, and they, this herb. They asked Pujols, <laughs> um, a reporter asked Pujols if uh, he would pay for the ball. And he said, I wouldn't pay $1 for that ball. And he was just as classy Pujols as could Pujols be. Pujols didn't need the ball to show he did it. Exactly. You know, he didn't need it. So I like, the way, I like the way Pujols handled it. John on Facebook says, sell the ball for hundred grand. Pujols fund a $300 million contract. Not like he doesn't have the cash. Yeah, but he doesn't want it. Right. But somebody who collects these things, they're bigger collectors than the big mics around the world. Exactly. And they would pay that. A hundred easily. You see, Pujols has the money, so it's a great point. But if he doesn't want it, it doesn't matter. It's value, it's got I'm no sure value. he wants it, but he's calling his bluff, too. I don't want the ball. It's a ball. Yeah. You don't think he'd like to have that for you his family? that ball to show I, I got 2,000 hits? No, it's no, in Cooperstown already. No, it's going to be next to Harold Baines in Cooperstown. Yeah, exactly. So he, he, <laughs> hey, maybe he was good. He's next to Harold Baines. I don't know. He see, I like the way Paul is. He doesn't need it. You know, here's my bat. This is what I hit him It's like being an all-time great Minnesota twin. 256. Oh, fucking great. Yeah. 256 average. Just a couple minutes left. We didn't talk about the NHL. You're wearing the shark shirt. San Jose Sharks. Another huge break in a game seven. They have all the magic this year in the Santa Cup playoffs because they got to game seven by a magical power play against uh, Vegas in round one, which even Joe Pavelski (laughs) said should not have been a five-minute major. Pavelski comes back in game seven, though, which was awesome against Colorado, scores the first goal, adds an assist. Colorado scores to tie up after being down 2 nothing on the road, which is so hard to do, but they're offside by a couple of inches because the, uh, I think it was Gabriel Landeskog coming off the ice, going onto the bench, doesn't do it onside. And it caught them the series. Uh, I saw Big Mike posted the offsides. Unless it was you, Rob, I'm assuming it was Big Mike. No, I, I, I posted <laughs> twice this week, though. When it's hockey, I think twice, but I'm, I was sure it was Big Mike. Uh, I posted baseball. Barely, barely it was an offside, but an offside is an offside. You know, I saw a lot of people complaining, oh, you don't call that? If it's the rule, it's the rule. Oh, I agree it's, with you. And I, I, hate this, I hate this reviewing offsides. It's not things. calling it. It's a review. And, and, of course, the ref's not going to call that on the ice. How do you call that on the ice? Well, you can't with see the it. It's, with not the that he, it's not that he let it go. You just don't see that in. I understand the frustration getting that goal off, but offsides is offsides. And the Sharks got to break again. And things are breaking their way. And that's why I love them. Love them tonight in the Shark Bank to win game one. But let's not be surprised if this goes to game seven again, where Martin Jones is becoming Mr. Game 7, and they will win again. I don't love them tonight, actually. I kind of like the Blues. Uh I just think teams both went seven. Right, so teams off a high though, like that. I just, I always assume for the letdown. So whatever. Listen, Landeskog handled it. I'm sure we posted that video also on our Twitter. He handled it as professionally as could be. He took full blame. He said, if the refs made the call, I hope they made the right one. I was offside. They should have got off quicker. That's on me. I mean, that is a captain stepping up, man, instead of blaming the refs and blaming this. And Rob, they had to call it because otherwise they would have been calling a penalty against the Sharks. Well, when you yeah, when you when you um, challenge a goal for offside, if you're wrong, it's a two minute minor. You and have to call it. The then. worst thing in the world that could happen is uh, Colorado scores against you, and you're Peter DeBoer, the, the head coach of the San Jose Sharks, and you challenge it and you lose. Well, now the goal counts, and Colorado exactly. gets a power play. Maybe they score, but that also shows you when teams challenge offside, it's almost always offside, right? Because they make sure they're going to win because they don't want to take a mm-hmm. two minute minor. Um, at best coaching to me. And that was as I had close a, as possible. You can't get any closer outside of that. But I had a lot of people say, that's not what the rule was made for. That's cr-. Listen, we all know there's review. So uh, an inch or two inches is the difference between on and off. So that's coaching. If you don't tell your team, hey, bust your ass out of the zone, get off the ice on a change on side, get over the boards, because you know what? Whether that's for the, the rule was made for or not, that's the rule. And you know that every inch is seen on camera in HD these days, and it costs teams goals, and it costs teams games, and it costs them a chance to win a game seven, and it's something that they're going to think about forever. And it's not like a misinterpretation <laughs> of the rule. 
was offside. And yeah, get offside. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Offside is offside. Like I said, it's something we harp on all the time. We're guys who like the momentum. We don't like the time off. The Carolina Hurricanes had time off because they swept the New York Islanders. They lost. So they went in there and they lost to the Boston Bruins in game one. And we all know the Bruins won uh, it was game seven, right? Uh, they won or game six? It was game six they won. Bruins beat uh, Columbus in six games. Right. So they went out there. They had less time off. The time off hurt the Hurricanes. They had, I know the Hurricanes had a 2-1 lead in the third they, period. They and Boston the obliteratated yes, them they in the third. 4 nothing. So uh, who do you like going forward in that series? I've, I know you've been big on Bruins I've been year. on the Bruins all year. I had the Bruins, you know, losing in the cup finals this so, year. So And Blues Sharks. You like? I like the Sharks, but I've been. I was big on the Blues. Were like I told Mike earlier in the postseason. That was the one team I liked in right. that wasn't supposed to. They got hot. They've too. made the run. Mm-hmm. Even if they lose here, they've made the run. I still. I think that everything's starting to break the Sharks' way, and they're getting Pavelski back. They got a lot of momentum. They got home ice. I think that's a long series. I respect the hell out of the Blues. We were talking the Blues as like getting the number one pick in the draft on, in before January. We were talking about them trading Tarasenko. People talking about them getting rid of Tarasenko as a seller at the trade deadline. Yeah, they are in the Western Conference Finals. So, you know I'm running with the Sharks. I got Sharks in seven. I think it's going to be a very tough series to bet. I think it's going to be very unpredictable who wins where. There's going to be a lot of road victories, but I do like the Sharks tonight. Sharks in seven overall. You talked about the NHL draft, which comes up in a couple of weeks, and we posted or we retweeted the other day yeah. of Kako Kapko who is likely going to be a Ranger. If not, he's going to be a New Jersey Devil, depending on who where Hughes goes. But Rangers and Devils pick one and two in the draft. That's something we'll talk about in six weeks. Mm-hmm. The biggest draft story is in three days from now. And if you're a New York Knicks fan, you're at church. I've never been to church. You guys never been to church before. You're at mass tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> if you have a rabbit's foot, you're holding on. Whatever you do for good luck over the next 48 to 72 hours, Knicks fans are doing because they want that 14% to come true. And if you look at the betting odds, and don't tell me to fix his in on this stuff, because how are the betting odds so in the favor of the Knicks if they only have a 14% Oh, well, they were technically the worst team. But know? they were 14%. <laughs> no, you're it's right. weird. You're right. They have a 0.1% But regardless, the sun. regardless, that's Sunday night. Oh, I'm sorry, Tuesday, Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Big one, big one right there. And uh, God, please give us that number one pick. Give us the hope we need because – I do think there's free agents out there, those top marquee guys that will come here and play with Zion Williamson. You know, you make some really dumb videos. I think a hilarious video <laughs> would be you saying a prayer to get the draft lottery. Or a live, rea- a live reaction to the draft lottery, and if we get picked before one, how upset I'm going to be. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to – I would – if you didn't have a broken collarbone and wasn't in hiding over the Islanders losing, I would actually have – ho- I would actually have hockey guy or horsey, whatever it is, or – or hoodless. Um, I'd rather have him. I'd have him with the a camera on you, just without you knowing, just to see your genuine, genuine reaction. reaction. Because when people know they're being filmed, I never believe the reaction. Yeah, right. I never believe it. I always feel like they're hamming it up for the camera. Right, right. I wish I could get a hidden camera on you for that draft lottery. But um, before we close it out, I know we're over a limit here, but uh, Facebook, but we just well, we started late. We started a little late on it. I did want to get to the Lakers' uh, pathetic protest that they had. A, it was only like 100 people, which is not a, a big <laughs> protest. B, protesting, you should be humiliated if you're a protester because it accomplishes Especially nothing. in California. Or, uh, yeah, a blue state, of course. Just like here in New York, the protests just accomplish nothing. You just look like a major douche out there. But the Lakers protesting because they didn't hire Ty, Ty Lu as their coach. Uh, like, they can't even hire players till J- July. They can't sign anybody here. And they're mad about the direction of the team because Magic stepped down and they couldn't get Ty Lue. And they, didn't, they wanted Ty Lue for three years, only with LeBron. Because they, they only know, wanted him because that's LeBron's boy. They don't want Ty Lue for the next year so they know he's not a good coach. And you guys are pissed about it. You have LeBron James on your team and you're out there looking like a Clipper fan. They didn't make the playoffs for 15 straight years. They didn't protest once. You guys look sad. You guys look pathetic. And you should be ashamed of yourself. I hope you get nobody. And LeBron continues to miss the playoffs over there in L.A. I thought it was awesome. Good for you, fans. I thought it was great. LeBron James is a cancer. He is ruining the Lakers. That's why Magic stepped down. That's why Lou isn't going over there. Are you kidding me? He doesn't want to deal with LeBron James again. Money. It wasn't the money. It was awesome. I hope they end up trading him. Supposedly, people are telling Jeannie Buss to trade him. He is a absolute cancer. And then you have him on his little show saying, Magic should have came to me and told me he was leaving. He doesn't owe you anything. You're a player. You're a player. I, Mike's never said anything I agree with more than that. LeBron James thinks he's bigger than the game. He does. He's he more than just does. a player, and it's starting to catch up with him now. And I, 
It's Love fantastic. It. And I hope nobody goes over there. Welcome to the West, baby. This is not the East. That's the only reason Tyron Lue has a championship resume, because we all know what a joke the Easter Conference was until this year. Now he's in the West. Now basketball saved. Forget you, LeBron James. It's over with. So you didn't get your way. Wah, wah, wah. Hopefully nobody goes over there and plays. It's game. why LeBron will never be the GOAT. He'll never be Jordan. And it's why Durant won't either. Durant, a calf strain, missing multiple playoff games. Please, the hockey player doesn't miss a shift. Get that calf that. well, Casey. Doesn't miss. We're waiting for you. <laughs> I yeah. know. I'm waiting for you. <laughs> he's protecting himself for free agency. A little cocoa butter. All right, these guys will be back next Saturday. <laughs> It'll be Vinny and Mike next Saturday. I will be watching the real goat down the street at Best Page Black, Tiger Woods, at the PGA Tournament, uh, trying to uh, win his second major of the year. So, Join us next Saturday morning at 11 o'clock on block, talking about 11.04 on Facebook Live. If Goon's in the house, if Mike's here alone, then maybe we'll be on on time. But other than that, stay tuned to our Twitter all week, our Facebook. Uh, we got the two podcasts coming up in a couple of days, Monday and Wednesday. And uh, Over the Top Sports Radio, thank you guys. Enjoy your weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there that I'm sure spent this Saturday morning watching us. But none more than Kevin Durant's mom, because she's the real MVP. And by the way, <laughs> did you see Big E's trying to get with Becky Lynch's I, mom? I did see that. Becky Lynch's mom's about to get it from Big E. No. No I joke. Did. Yeah. No <laughs> joke. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Jack Check out our website at www.overthetopsportshow.com. <laughs> also, follow us on Twitter at Over the Top Sport, no S. And on Instagram at Over the Top Sports Show.